Welcome to Manitobaville, the Manitobaville podcast. This is Mahangel. Today's interview is with Brian Hayward, the author of The Great Chair, A Window on Effective Board Leadership. So um, I think we got to, uh, we're calling this interview to order, and we're going to tell you all to stick around. It's on the agenda. It's a great agenda item. It's new business. Okay. New business. The great chair by brain, Brian Hayward. And, um, it's a book you want to read. Okay. So that's new business. So on to old business reminder business, because people aren't following through. Go and follow us on social media. Okay. Go now. But, but wait, hear the rest. <laughs> wait until the meeting's over. Here's your directives. You're going to go follow us on social media by searching out Manitobaville. Yeah, you're going to find us on your podcatcher, your favorite one. And you're going to do that by searching out Manitobaville. And you're going to rate. Oh, first you're going to follow us. You're going to follow or subscribe. You're going to rate and review. Okay? Then you're going to tell a friend to go and do the same thing. And it's going to be great. We're going to have lots of friends. It's going to work out. Okay. And uh, yeah, tell your friends all over the world, any Manitobans out there, anybody interested in Manitoba, you can um, find them, tell them, tell them where to find us. And we'll close the loop on that, and that'll be great. And uh, so that at the next meeting we have, it can be old business. And, um, you know, still old business, I guess. It's a new business. Or is it in between? Is there something in between new business and old business? Hmm. Maybe there is. I don't know what it's called, though. I'm going to read this book and find out. But first, I want to tell you, uh, if you want to advertise on the show, you can. Just connect uh, with us on manitobaville.ca and we'll uh, pass you along to the relevant sources of all that good info because uh, we do that. And uh, we do it just like this. There's a little sound that comes up and that that tells you there's going to be a little break <laughs> with it, with an ad in it. Okay. And that's, uh, anyway, so we'll get to Brian Hayward right after this break and this sound, which tells you it's a break. There's ways that you're supposed to write books and then there's how I did it, which really wasn't the way that uh, that if it was a cake recipe, I didn't follow Betty Crocker's instructions. So, well, I think there's so many uh, recipes out there for writing. You don't have to worry about that. I think in the end, if you get a, words on paper in order you want, and somebody else looks at it and says, yeah, with a little polishing, we can put this out. That's writing. So. Yeah. And, and in, in my case, I mean, cause it's self published. So, um, you're you're your own master, and at, at the end, you're the one that makes a decision is that you're done. Mm -hmm. um, but even when you're done, you're not because uh, probably the most torturous thing I would say is is editing. Um, like I, you know, t to have to read something thirty, forty times uh, to pick out where there's a comma missing or a mm -hmm. typo. Okay. Uh, like typos are easier generally to find because the machines now will help you a lot with that. But they just don't uh, always know, no, no. They can catch up on that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but there, I, I, I had to read this, and then you, you become numb to it because your eyes, you know, will just go over a whole paragraph in, in like one second. Mm -hmm. And you have to stop yourself to go, no, I actually have to read the sentence to make sure that it actually makes sense. Mm. And, uh, and then there's different level. I had one editor, but then there's another level of editors. It's kind of like the old school uh, English teacher uh, who's, who's going, you know, you can't say things like, um, you know, double negatives and, and, and the like, because they'll pick that up or, or somebody goes, this sentence doesn't make any sense uh, at all. So mm. rewrite the whole thing and, and you're kind of going, I, I thought I was finished. <laughs> nope. Is, is that what they call the more the technical editing? That's where like editing yeah, your yeah. thoughts is one thing, but then editing the text like for. Yeah. 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 And that, that, 
there's actually, uh, I, I didn't know this until I got involved in it, um, there's actually sort of a scoring system and, and, and you know, sort of like a, maybe a Michelin guide, but there, I think there's actually, because they do tests where they give people actual, you know, standards sort of, you know, there's there's whatever, it's, you know, two pages, five pages long, and, and you're supposed to pick out all the errors that are there. Okay. And and then they score them. So, uh, so you know, when you when you write a book like I did, uh, what'll come from Friesen Press or 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 others that would be doing the same kind of thing? They'll they'll say, oh no, we'll we'll provide you with an editor. But that that person's sort of, sort of um, you know not bargain basement, but they're mm-hmm. they're there. They're 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 astute, but they're they're not professional grade. And and so they the, there's an offering that gets made to say, do you want to have a technical editor look at it? You didn't get bored writing the book, though. No, um, no, no. Uh, it was it was uh, because I mean, what I'm writing about, and and you know, for people who haven't read it, is that that would be listening to this would be it's it's about being a a leader of a group of people in a meeting but it's commonly would be thought of as somebody's chairing the meeting they're they're at the pointy end of the table the you know the skinny end the head of the table whatever you want to call it and and they're kind of engaging and running the meeting and um and and i i've been in probably i i, I lost count but at least 500 meetings of that type board meetings where there's there's business being done mm-hmm. in some way shape or form and and whether i was the management person or a director or you know, and as for not-for-profits you know be involved with uh winnipeg uh royal winnipeg ballet the arthritis society uh different levels of, of not-for-profits uh Charities. I'm currently. I, I'm at uh, Axiom Margaret uh, with and, and involved in, on the board there. Chair of the audit committee. So it, corporations, publicly traded, whatnot. And and the thing that struck me is that there's something to doing the job of running a meeting that is beyond just sitting there and ticking the box and going, okay, we we decided that we're going to paint the wall black, not white. Mm-hmm. Uh, next. It, that there's something, especially when you get into issues that are really subjective, and there's not it's not a clear cut. You know, I'm I'm going to turn left or right at this T intersection. Um, that that there's there's weighing things. There's different people that are there coming from different points of view. Um, and, and and so there's a lot of learning that comes from the experience. And and periodically, I'll go to a meeting, and that, that's what triggered the, the writing the book, where you're sort of back to square one, where you're not not myself even necessarily, but you go into a meeting and you're going like, this is a gong show. This is just like this is going. It's not well run. Uh, people are the, the chair's not actually providing an opportunity for people to talk. There's there's chairs I've I've experienced that. I think their job is actually is to talk a lot yeah. and 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 direct people and and actually the what I've found is the people that lead meetings that are what I call a great chair uh, the greatest of them really ter- tend to actually say very little and there's been studies you know in the book I mean you know, I actually cited one from Harvard where um, you know a good chair is five percent of the airtime of the meeting. And the bad chair is like thirty, thirty-five percent, and 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 there's there's cognitive things that happen uh, that you when you see it afterwards um, that are really you say well that was that person just made a big mistake, uh-huh. uh, and, and because they actually said something innocently perhaps that you know, started a whole train of thinking and dialogue going that, that led us all into a, a, a you know, one of, one of the things I call a boardroom black ice where the things that the discussion is going sideways. Everybody's going like, what, what are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, how do we get down that, that silly road that we're on? And it could be really something you know, simple. Um, 
as saying, you know, and I've seen this time again, and I've done it too, where you got a group of people, there's some issue, and the person who's running the meeting says, so, so let's, uh, you know, let's just see which way the wind's blowing. Um, let's do a straw poll. Uh, who thinks, you know, we should paint the wall black? Uh, some people put their hand up, and some other people will say have a contrary point of view. But what that does is dropping the hockey puck where there's there's two sides yeah. and positions that get taken and people start aligning and saying, oh, I'm on the black team, I'm on the white team, yeah. etc. And, and You start judging and, people well, without even hearing what they've had to say. Well, yeah. and, and what's interesting, because coming through one of the really kind of neat experiences I had um, through the 1990s, uh, you know, people that were in the ag industry, a special recall, there's lots of bun fights going on between the wheat board and the railways and the grain companies. And being in one of those, you know, involved as, as you know, a, an executive in one of those camps, mm-hmm. uh, we, we actually hired the guys from Harvard Negotiation Project to come up and mediate to try to get us on common ground. And the guy that came up, uh, he told this little parable, which which I've recounted in the book as an example, where there's one orange and, and there's two daughters and they're squabbling over the orange, the one orange that's left in the kitchen. And so I want it, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm older. And, and mother walks in and goes, what's going on? I want the orange, I want the orange. And so she gets a knife out and cuts the orange in half hmm. and gives each girl a, a piece, their half of the orange. And daughter one basically takes the peel off, throws it in the garbage, eats the, her half of the orange, and the other one takes the peel off and throws the orange in the garbage and mm. uses the peel for baking a cake. Mm. And so the you know the the moral yeah. of the story being is is ask why do you want the orange? Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to what's your position on this? What's let's do a straw poll on this orange? Yeah. So there's little tricks of the trade that you can learn but um there's not a lot there's really no training in being a chair mm-hmm. there's really nothing that any of the official director institutes uh, have to help people you know un- understand some of the the dynamics and and so the when i wrote i when i thought started writing the book uh, I was actually uh, a participant as a, a teacher at one of the uh, director courses, but I went to one of the the profs from University of Toronto Rotman School of Management, who is, you know, one of the gurus. And I said, is, is there anybody who written a book on this stuff or is there any courses? And he goes, no. I thought, I just started writing this book. Mm-hmm. And uh, Well, usually they just hand you the Robertson Rules of Order and say, here, read this, and then you can... <laughs> but it yeah, doesn't really and, it doesn't really tell you what you're doing though. It tells you no. It's and yeah. but that's that's actually you know because uh, because in in the book it tells the story about Henry Roberts because the, the reason why Roberts' rules existed is he actually had one of the ultimate bad experiences on on running a meeting because he was actually an engineer that was called up. Uh, to, or call, called to go in the in the, the Civil War in the United States to go and help the uh, the, the Yankees defend the port uh, one of the ports in Massachusetts. He shows up to the meeting, and the guy that was supposed to run the meeting well, didn't show up. So they they figure well he's he's the expert he's an engineer and and so he can run the meeting. And there was arguments that went on. Uh, I think if my memory's right on this, Henry Roberts went for 14 hours and on this one meeting and because there was no procedure whatsoever. And then Henry moves to the, to the other coast in the California. And he has a totally different experience, but then at the end of it, he's going like, somebody should write some rules down yeah. as to how to run the meeting. But that, unfortunately, Henry's, way of doing it as good as it is uh can lead you into the well let's take a straw poll here yeah and it's positional because it it's all concentrated on voting you know it's funny you mentioned that taking the straw poll at the beginning 
I think I, I read something recently about how they say with juries, that's the worst thing you can do in a jury when, when you're sequestered and about, you know, you're going to start working on the decision. They say a lot of them will say, the foreman will say, okay, we're going to take a straw poll to see where we're at. And they say it's the worst thing. So that goes for board meetings and, and juries and the whole bit. Yeah, and I, you know, the movie 12 Angry Men, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it, that's how they end up going for a long time because mm -hmm. they, they, they're going, oh, yeah, let's just do a straw poll here. And, and But Henry Fonda character says, no. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the, the side, then the die is cast. And though, that, that, that kind of thing, even if it's anonymous and everybody just puts it in the hat and then they, they read the A or nay, um, that can make people angry because one person's saying no and you're not quite sure who it is until they fess up and, and start talking. Yeah. Like that yeah, can totally. frustrate things, I'm sure. Well, and, and I, I, I think that that's you know, part of where, where the training can come in for a chair or the experience is... is, is making sure that doesn't happen because mm -hmm. if you're the person that's responsible for the conduct of the meeting and and how what the agenda even looks like and you know how the conversation you know even if the person's not sucking up a lot of airtime just by asking the wrong question they can actually you know steer things into uh into into the ditch mm -hmm. and it's not it's it's actually not just speculative there's been all sorts of studies done uh, back probably into the, when I was writing the book, going back into the 50s, where, you know, ones that are classics now, uh, were the one that the psychologists have as a, now a classic is a road to Abilene, where there's a bunch of people sitting around and they're somebody's in, in Texas and it's a hot day and they say, well, you know, why don't we go to Abilene for lunch? And, Nobody really likes the idea, but mm. nobody says anything. And then somebody's, and just because nobody wants to actually express a point of view, uh, they all say, well, I guess, you know, everybody else wants to go, so I'll go. And they find out later that nobody wanted to go. <laughs> there's, there's decisions that have been made, whether it's the war in Iraq, the subprime crisis, parts of the financial crisis in 2008, mm. where there was groups of people who actually participated in meetings where they had information but they were kind of just reluctant to share it but if they would have uh there would have been a different outcome yeah. so there's, there's there's things that really can be done that would actually you know help uh you know have better outcomes and that's and, the thing too. It's like the question why, because that's what you you're saying. A lot of a lot of problem solving is just somebody sitting down, somebody saying, "Okay, why," and then they tell you, and then you help put it together. Um, the, uh, you, I read some book. There's oh, there's these big problems, amazing problem solvers, and this guy had to fly over to Switzerland, and there's a big impasse between an inventing company and the company that wanted to buy and exploit it, and they were just at an impasse and. So they, they get this high-priced guy out of the out of whatever meeting he's in to fly over first class. He sits down. He says, okay, what's the problem? They lay it out. And then he looks at the guy selling the stuff, and he goes, well, why is that the case for, why are you hung up on this? And the guy tells him, and then he goes, well, here's how you deal with it. Boom, done. You know, it takes him like half an hour, and then he flies home, right? And they're all like, oh, wow, he's an amazing guy. And it's, But I just wonder how the other people even get into the position to to not ask why like how come so many companies employ people who are just not curious yeah i you know uh, with with boards or meetings you know and 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 i think organization organizations in general there's a tendency to to look for people that have kind of building a little bit on what you just said but people that have the right answer it's like a big game of jeopardy mm -hmm. you know if you get the right answer faster, more often than the other guy, then, then people will say, oh, he's, he's really good. He gets the right answer. He gets it faster. But sometimes in, in you know, human endeavors and, and having taken mediation training, uh, there's, there's subtleties where of, of coming to a decision where you need to actually ask and find out other, what other people know. Mm -hmm. So it's not just simply... So, uh, you know, a multiple choice sort of situation. 
there's you might have information that I don't have, and I was actually going to write a, a a little blog on uh, for for those of people that have ever watched Corner Gas with Brett Butt. <laughs> At the end, there's a there's there's a song is that with the lyrics is I don't know the same things you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that's the trick of of running a meeting, whether it's a board meeting or and it or a school board meeting, a hospital board. Everybody has knowledge, and everybody's got blind spots. Or and, societies, and societies can have big blind spots. Absolutely. So, how do you actually get to a position where people are sharing information? I I'm going to share with you my knowledge. You share what you uh, what you know, mm-hmm. and collectively we're going to be way better off than me having a position and, and making, you know, arguing my position and defending my position when I don't have all the facts mm. and I'm focusing how I can win <laughs> and yeah. beat you when yeah. it, that's really not the point. Yeah. It's that, that's not the, the, the purpose of the meeting is to win or, or make somebody else lose. It's to come up with the best decision. Which may be wrong, um, and there's an art to it. Mm. Fortunately, there's a lot of people that just don't want to even think. They just think, I'm going to chair this meeting. This is what we're doing. We're going to come to some decisions, and let's do a straw poll. Let's see which way the wind is blowing. Is there fatalism involved, too, where like the farmers group might come in and say, you know, we're never going to win against the grain companies and the railroads and the government, so... It doesn't matter. We can take all the straw polls. We can talk all day till we're blue in the face. Uh, we're like, you know, we we assume this will be the outcome. Like, does that color a meeting as well? Like, and and how how bad to the yeah. extent can that take? Yeah, I, I absolutely, and 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 so, I in my own journey, but I I actually what's been interesting since the book's been published, uh, I I spent an hour this morning with uh, the chair of a major uh, organization in Ontario on Zoom because uh, he said, I read this, and, he, and he's showing me on, on the video where he's got dog ears on it and post-it mm-hmm. notes. And, and it, you know, it is, there are, there's wi- some wisdom in there and there's a mindset, to go back to your point, of, that you need to adopt. And it's, it's actually, it sounds very uh, kind of philosophical when I say it, but it's, it really goes back to even Buddhism, meditating. You need to clear your mind and be in the moment. And mm-hmm. don't take... Because the only moment that exists is now. And, and you can't change the past. And, and so making decisions is all about, uh, in the world of mindfulness, uh, one of the things that... And I've got a little bit in there. I've tried to make it as practical and not sort of... Zenny, <laughs> and like, yeah, but good, good luck with there's that. <laughs> be, well, there's beginner's mind. That's what it yeah. is, and having curiosity. But beginner's mm-hmm. mind is is if you walked into a situation mm-hmm. and you didn't know anything about it, and then you're curious, and you don't have any fatalistic, you know, mm-hmm. sort of perceptions. You don't go, oh well, doesn't matter. I'm a farmer. I'm going to lose anyways because you, you're coming into something. You know, imagine going to a you know, foreign country somewhere in Africa or whatever, and they're doing something with something, and you don't even know what's going on. And you, your your mind is open, mm-hmm. and you're not you're not predetermining because of any particular history that there's going to be a certain outcome. Versus, well, I'm you know the grain companies are going to win or mm-hmm. the railways are. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because I, I when I again you know what drove me to do this is because I look at organizations. Uh, attended a, a speech uh, probably a year before Reg Alcock died. He, at that point, he was uh, involved as the dean of I think the Asper School at the University of Manitoba, and he was talking about what how much of of the economy of manitoba is actually generated or t- is touched by organizations like manitoba hydro uh 
MPI, a, a lot of, and school boards, hospitals, healthcare, WRHA, uh, and, and when you start to sum it all up, these are all important organizations. They have boards, and and his thing was his his beef was is like there's not professionalism at the boards. We're allowing essentially people that are, are amateurs to to sort of run these important institutions. And if we get suboptimal income or, or outcomes rather, it's we only have ourselves to blame because we haven't actually demanded better of the con for the conduct of those organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this the city and so there there are ways to upgrade and that that was that's my passion on it i guess yeah. it's funny um the zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance do you remember that book <laughs> i remember that i always liked the title of it yeah. and uh i i actually never read it but i oh you I, should because read... because in there the the author he's talking about when he was when he had his little boy and one christmas they were they bought a bicycle and it was from Japan or somewhere, I guess probably Japan, or, and it was in a box all in pieces. And he'd had, you know, it was late at night, is night before Christmas, he was going to make it, he has a few drinks. And he, he's, he's a technical writer himself, so he liked to read technical manuals, so he took the instructions out. And he said the first thing he saw was, was translated, before assembling bicycle, achieve peace of mind. <laughs> And he said he hit yep. him like a, like in North America. He said that just was the first time he ever saw something like that. And he's just like, wow, that's so such a good piece of instruction right there. And uh, and that yeah, that's yeah. So that's yeah. Um, I actually had not heard that. So I, that that's good. Yeah. Uh, so now you read the book. It's a good book. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, my book's got a bunch of quotes in it. And I was really <laughs> hamstrung as to which ones I put in and which ones I don't. But I, if yeah. I would have come across that one, I would have actually probably used it. <laughs> well, you can in the second edition. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that one's going to happen. The publisher said to me, are you going to do a second one? And I said, no, it's probably, because I do photography, I said, it's mm. probably going to be a book on the murals of Winnipeg or, yeah. or something that... Uh, something completely different is yeah well the second edition is always it's just a repository for all the corrections you want to make after the first edition's well out and gone <laughs> so usually well i've had people because there's there's horror stories about what really has happened in boardrooms so this, mm-hmm. this gentleman i was dealing with this morning so oh, you, you know i got some stories for you and i said you know i've actually been thinking about doing some kind of podcast or or creating a site where i just go like Mm-hmm. Share your stories with me, and I'll just sanitize them slightly, and I'll I'll put them back out because mm-hmm. there. I think the average person goes, oh, you know that that kind of thing doesn't really happen in a meeting. And uh, having been through enough of them over call it forty years, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens, and you would you wouldn't believe what's true. Well, is that a lot of uh, just the wrong person gets voted into that position, or? or, you know, in case of not-for-profits or, or general community groups. And and it's just tough to, and you don't really want, nobody really wants to rock the boat and get into and say, well, that's not the right person, this person be better, you know. And, and so you're sort of, in a way, just through how our society works and popularity contests for politics and all that, is it, does that hamstring things from the get-go in, in some cases? I, I don't think you can say one size fits all on that. Yeah, uh, but it's, I guess it's, are, that that happens. Like that's one of them, or yeah, yeah I, I, there there's there's so many different flavors of uh, there's there's actually I, I I did my own sort of synopsis of it, but there is a, an article that was by one of the United States uh, governance organizations that that uh, identified uh, I think it was twenty one different uh, sort of prototypes or, or stereo, uh, uh, categories of bad directors. Mm. So there's the there's the bully, there's the person that's not prepared, uh, there's the, the narcissist, there's there's somebody that's just flat incompetent. They shouldn't be there because mm. they're 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 doing you know they're in an operating theater, brain surgery is being done, and they couldn't you know punch their way out of a paper bag. Mm. So I it's it's not simply one thing. I think politics is probably one where, you know, it can be pretty obvious, but 
liars are pretty good. I've been in, I've been astounded. <laughs> you know, you look at what happened in in the United States and yeah. say, you know, there's a lot of lying that went on there. Um, that but, seemed like lying for sport. Like just, I'm going to lie, and I dare you. What What are you going to do? That kind of thing, right? Where well, and power enters the yeah. the fray because some people that either have power because they're they have money, uh, or they're or they're you know they're well connected and can and and have the levers to influence. Um, the, the, that's the bully the bully aspect. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in boardrooms where there's bullies, um, and, and uh, you know, in one case though, uh, somebody called him on it, and the guy was basically he had to leave leave the board. Um, well, that's usually the thing with bullies; nobody confronts them, and they keep bullying because they they see they can, and then once once they're confronted, it's like they crumble down, and they just want to. They almost want you to call them on it so they can. Confess well, some, nobody gets up in the thing. morning. And, yeah, nobody wants gets up in the morning and looks forward to having a fight. Yeah, it's and so your your sort of default position emotionally is is to acquiesce. And so yeah. it's not worth it. I'm not going to yell at that person, or I'm not. I'm not going to. He's going to yell at me, so I might. I might as well just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It, Yes, there's times and and yeah, we're living it sort of real time just from looking on on one side of the border what's going down in the United States where you say, well, isn't somebody going to say something about it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know everybody's surprised that you know nothing happens that nobody's standing up or there's one or two people that say this is wrong. Um, and all the smart people are are googling how to move to Toronto. <laughs> so you don't even get them helping. It's like there's like, yeah, oh, get it. but you know what? The really, really smart people are, or the wise people rather, are going to move to Winnipeg because oh, well, we're not going <laughs> to. That's only Toronto's <laughs> only a way station to Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh man, for Toronto, <laughs> <laughs> we don't even dislike. I mean, you know the the Prairie thing and then the French Canadian thing. Like way back, it's all this acrimony and stuff for no reason other than. Oh, I don't know. I guess they're, you know, what it probably politics and they had a lot of sway federal government and stuff, but, but we're not even hard on Montreal or Quebec or anything like we are in Toronto. (laughs) Yeah. You got everybody's it's, it's what binds us together. You have, we we get together to hate the same thing. (laughs) We all hate the center of the universe. (laughs) Uh, I love the Jets. (laughs) Yeah. 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 They finally got them back in their, you know, the rejects, I called them. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're they're doing they, what they did good a couple of years ago so that's good good sign um yeah so oh i was gonna tell you that um a friend of mine her father worked in insurance in winnipeg and his whole career and then a little bit in calgary and then retired out to the west coast to white rock and in his retirement he he sat on their planning committee for the town and and I don't know how long it was before he took over the chairmanship, and and everybody just loved it. They loved him. He loved doing it. Everybody loved how he ran the meetings, and he did it for years and years and years. And it was just, it, you know, it's one of those happy kind of things that come out of that. Happy story for you. Yeah, and and you know the bad ones are the, the you know some of them I've you know recounted in the book. I I you know. They are what they are, but but I, I've tried to celebrate people that have really done an amazing job as well. And and I was on the board of the Business Development Bank of Canada. There was a guy, John McNaughton, and it was just something about how he he didn't really even say much, you know. As I was noting, like he, he, great chairs, they they don't take a lot of airtime in the meeting. And it was, I, I you know, he's passed now, but I I can still remember how he would look at people or the use of his hands uh you know encourage people to talk by if somebody had a a sentence and he'd go and Mm -hmm. to kind of bridge you into another sentence onwards Mm -hmm. you say you know i'm thinking about this and you go and or you know tell me more Mm -hmm. you know these little sound bites and you know, funny thing is, is one of my guilty pleasures is is Judge Judy, and <laughs> okay. I watch Judge Judy, 
And, and if you watch Judge Judy, she'll say, oh, you, you know, somebody else, the plane, the, whatever, and she'll start asking questions. And the person will stop and she'll, and she'll say, and then what? And then mm-hmm. <laughs> and those little things that are really, you know, somebody who's a leader of, of meetings yeah. will, will be able to, with one or two words, be able to pull more information out. Because again, it's, you know, I don't know the same things you don't know. And so, you don't want to be committal to it either. Because a lot of people say, uh, right, right. You know what I mean? The, the, the nervous tick things they'll do. And a lot of people don't want to agree right then because they might not yeah. agree, but you want them to keep talking. So people have to develop the rejoiners around that. And did you watch the Comey movie that about Comey? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and his thing, somebody come and say something to him and, he, and he'd find it interesting. He'd say, talk more. And, yep, and we exactly. thought that was so odd. And then I thought, well, that's, that's the perfect non-committal. I want to hear more, but I'm not committing to any, any thought on it right now. Yeah. The first time I went, went to business and did some business in Japan, uh, with, uh, in canola. So we're dealing with, with our customers and, and, and the Japanese, I was, you know, had a bit of training because the Japanese will say, hi, hi, as you're talking mm-hmm. and, and it's, and they're nodding and the literal translation is yes, but mm-hmm. not interpret that as agreement. Mm-hmm. It simply means I'm listening to you. I'm acknowledging you, uh, keep, you know, talk more, just like Comey. Talk or, more. Or the Germans, the yah yah yahs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, re- I read a book about a guy who was in, uh, worked as safaris in Africa, and he said, yeah, the yayas are coming, so go and take the yayas out. For <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd ask him a question that needed an answer just to see if they could speak English. <laughs> yeah. They're just going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, there really is something to that. That's that's the magic of somebody that's, whether it's a Comey or a great chair or somebody that's, you, you come out of the meeting because you're actually, you've learned something. Another thing, I think, you know, the Dalai Lama's quote in the book is, is when you, when you talk, you're just repeating things you already know. But when you listen, you're going to, you know, odds are you're going to learn something new. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's something to be said for listening as opposed to talking. What's that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking. I wasn't. We're, we're I mean, a little short on time. Could you repeat all that? <laughs> so, yeah. No. Okay. So the chair's job is, or, or a good board, I guess, too. That it, it, a lot of it happens before the meeting because you have to put together your agenda, and and sort of know who's going to be there and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I, I think you know one of the, one of the pillars to me from my own experience, but I but I know. What I what I put in the book is is actually resonated because there's people coming back sending me emails or just uh, notes or whatever or conversations. Uh, I call it SPF, like you know, like uh, suntan lotion. But strategy, people, and finance. There's so many meetings that happen where, uh, and I call it SPF 50. Half of your meeting should be at least half your meeting should be by design should talk about what it is you want to accomplish, who's doing it, and what's our team, how can we make sure that the people are, are that we've got the right people, we're taking care of them, we're training them, we're developing, they're energized, and then also money. Uh, there's a lot of, especially with my experience in not-for-profits, uh, people, they're passionate about if it's a if it's the ballet or the symphony or some, or the folk festival, they they really don't want to. T- they're there because of the art or the cause. If it's cancer, uh, there's something that's emotionally driven them to be involved, and they don't want to listen or know about the balance sheet or how what's our cash flow and and those are are critical because if you ignore that, it's it's you know to me the an analogy would be is I really don't want to go and, and stand on the scale or see the data on my blood pressure. Uh, it's, it's boring. It's numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but you, you, you ignore it at your own peril. And 
and and and really i think as much as it for for especially in not for profits is not something people look forward to getting involved with um I, I i'd like to frame it that you know you want to accomplish something and the way that gets accomplished is is that is your means it, it and if you don't have gas in the tank you can dream about where you're going to drive but you're not going there mm. so it, it it's an essential thing and, and try try to emotionally even connect the the finance piece to to the aspiration um and 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 the, and the mission the vision um but the, you know a good agenda is going to have all those three elements to me are are critical and it, you know there's so many meetings that happen where people get in there's no time management other there's no but there's no guidelines as to when the meeting is necessarily even going to end uh at the at, there's decisions that need to be made and because there's no time management and then some people are going to leave or they that there's this rush for the finish line there's not a good discussion about the important things and and really again it's the you know the fault if you want to call it that lies back with the person that organized the agenda uh you know made sure that everybody understood what the priority items were and set and and was the timekeeper it's not fun to do that either mm-hmm. having chaired enough meetings you get some somebody who's uh you know a windbag and they really once they start going you got to cut them off and and then they'll get mad at you mm-hmm. um so you know it's not like being the chair is is uh is, and and that's why even for boards having some check in on a self assessment once a year like how am i doing um but a lot of boards they nobody wants to hear bad news so there's this almost for a lot of boards probably about 3 quarters of boards don't do individual assessments they just want to go are we doing a good job <laughs> yeah we are doing great. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I guess it's a lot of people's frustrations too, is when you're doing day-to-day stuff in an organization or business, you're, you're day-to-day, and then the board meetings happen every so often, right? Probably in an organized schedule, but, but they're spaced apart, right? Yep. Okay, and um, and so it's sort of like, the meeting of the ends where it's a, it's the running of the business, but on a much slower pace where it's more thoughtful and more, because you really have to make sure that the, the decisions made at these board meetings keep the business running in the future too. So it's almost like the slow motion thing that happens. So when people who are doing day-to-day stuff and have a hectic schedule come into a board meeting, it feels like molasses to them. And they're just, if it gives them the frustration and, then they get to talk and then they're, you know, they have a certain amount of time, then they're stopped. And then, you know, the frustration level and, you know, but it, they don't really see it as the, as the thoughtful, slow, um, you know, decision-making that keeps everything else running. And so maybe that's like an emotional response too that people have to the board. Whereas the people who professionally run boards, you know, again, maybe there's just that disconnect where, they have to understand each other's perspective. Well, and you know, I think again, there's if you bring professionalism into into the meeting room, um, again, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a formal board meeting of the Royal Bank, but any meeting has its own sort of feel. Just like you know, you can go to a it's it's Christmas party season. You go to party A, you walk in the door, and there's a feeling, you know, to the immediately mm-hmm. you're. You know, people are cognitive beasts, and they'll go. You know, this is a good party, or this was a great party, or no, this is really not a good party. Yeah. And 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 business meetings, whether they're for for arts organizations or hospitals or police boards or 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 corporations, they're the same thing. Where where and and again, the professional a, a, somebody who's a professional is going to make sure that there's there's a good sort of feeling in the meeting. Um, you know, when when I took mediator trading was uh, you know about 20 years ago, I was impressed, and I mentioned it in the book, is that 
a good a good chair actually gets there ahead of the meeting and makes sure okay is the is there power cords there uh is there a screen mm-hmm. if we're going to be using some visuals or uh, are, uh is there water mm-hmm. um has anyone he, tested the projector in the screen <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. And, run, your, and, run your presentations first. Make sure they're going to be right. Absolutely, and and then you can the meeting can start off really badly if all of a sudden there's there's disorganization and the first ten fifteen minutes gets consumed with something that's totally menial, mm-hmm. and it and then there's just it's a bad party then. Yeah. People are a little bit on edge, and and then maybe they are a little bit more chippy. Well, is it a party? Because I've always found walking into a board meeting is sort of like walking into a courtroom. Even if you're just there as an observer or just hanging out, it has a solemnity to it that, you know, at least yeah, at a party, well, you, think, well, you I haven't can get been the there with one of my meetings. <laughs> so <laughs> no? I, I actually do think humor is, is, yeah. is an important element to. But, but like I'm saying, at a party, if it's a bad Christmas party, yeah, at least, yeah, you, at least no. you feel like you can rev it up and get it going. Uh, you know, yeah. tell the DJ, play this kind of music, change this, like, yeah. turn those lights off. Go, stairway to heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do something. Like, but at least you're, at least you feel like you can, you know, you you can get the party going. Whereas when you walk into a board meeting, it's like you want to get the board meeting going, and it's a whole different, solemn process, where there's business to attend to and people to hear from, agenda to work through. So it's not, you know. So I guess if it's a bad badly run board meeting that's like the worst of all worst because the only thing you can do is get it to become a good board meeting <laughs> but there's, there's even ways even with the with the formality and solemnity to it that you can you can celebrate somebody's birthday uh or you, you there's all sorts of ways yeah. to bring humanity to to the to the to the party well you know i'd like to see one of your board meetings then that's the, i guess that's what i'm getting to because because to see that would be an eye opener for a lot of people. I, I've always found that, that uh, people, uh, for whatever reason, tend to find me slightly amusing. But uh, so, <laughs> I, 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 I do think that uh, I try to keep things light, and and it's and it's 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 deliberate because well, I just like having fun, anyways. But um, there's too much seriousness in the world. But it also people if people were relaxed if you're if you're not if there's no humor in the room then you're probably going to be more reserved about your expressing your opinion mm-hmm. or 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 you might have a wild ass thought mm-hmm. and you go well no I won't say that they're going to think I'm silly mm-hmm. and whereas if there's joking in the room uh, not like telling you yeah. know silly jokes but but if there's if there's a, a you know an air of of make and and it can be del- it can be deliberately done because if you have people just their their personality is uh, is such that that they actually are expressive and and try to see the uh, the bright side of things or the funny side of things periodically you don't need to be you know laughing like you're at comedy you know mm-hmm. uh, just for laughs but. It can actually be very helpful to allow people to just say things that there, you know, and that's where you know, in the book, I cover off some called divergent thing because a lot of boardrooms, board agendas tend to be we got to make a decision, we're going to do A or B, um, but the process of divergent thinking on most important problems is is you you create as big a pie as possible. Uh, and then you actually figure out, you know, what slice of pie you want, or if there's what percentage of pie, or uh, but but coming up with new and innovative ideas. I, I'm, one of the guys that was a mentor on some of the strategic stuff, he he used to work with a paint company, and they used to just do silly stuff because he said one one of the ideas that came out was somebody was going like, well, what, wouldn't it be cool if we could actually, you know. Uh, invent explosive paint, so that, you know you just sort of set a, a match to the bottom, and you just, it would always blow up and, and go boom, and it would all fall off the wall. <laughs> but that was actually, he said, that was everybody laughed. Yeah. They put it up there, exploding paint. But there was actually something that where there was an idea that came out of it that would was generated a product that where the paint would basically be easy to remove off the wall. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought you were going to say it led to exploding cigars. 
<laughs> Exploding golf balls. <laughs> the book's available on my website for the book. So it's www.greatchair.ca. And the book's called Great Chair? The Great Chair and www.greatchair.ca. Great. That sounds awesome. And if they, if they buy it from me, not Amazon, uh, I will sign it. And if they need it, somebody says, I want it dedicated and blah, 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 then I can do that too. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, Great. I, collect, I collect books from authors too. So if you can shine one this way, maybe we can do a giveaway. Yeah. You know what? Just shoot, shoot me an, shoot me an email on, uh, on LinkedIn that has your address. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for Perfect. your time, Mr. Hayward. I know. This meeting no, is. Me. This is Brian. That's good. Brian. Okay, Mr. Well, this meeting is now adjourned. <laughs> All right. Gavel it. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much, Brian Hayward, author of The Great Chair, A Window on Effective Board Leadership. You can find that book wherever you find great books. It's all over the web. It's uh, quite popular. So. Yeah, and uh, Brian has his own podcast, I do believe. You can find that on your favorite podcatcher as well. We'll give him a little push out there. Okay, so thank you for listening to the Manitobaville podcast. This is Mahangel. Uh We're looking forward to uh, seeing a lot of you this summer as things open back up, and we'll do it in a safe way. We'll uh, yet to figure all that out, but we will. In the meantime, you can tell your friends, and uh, hopefully we'll find you uh, new subscribers. And welcome you into the Manitobaville family. And I think the denominator for village is villian. So, uh, yeah, you just might become a Manitoba villian and that would be a great addition to our village that we are using to help raise up our province because, you know, quite frankly, our province could use a little bit of growing up. It's been around a long time as far as, uh, you know, the current organization has been around a heck of a lot longer under previous management, I think, you know, tens of thousands of years. And uh, they didn't do too badly. And uh, I think we have done some badly. So we got to fix that. We got to organize and get better at life. Because, you know, life's short and you can't just worry about your pension in the next uh, election cycle because that's so immature. It is so great, 10. It is so bad. Okay, so here we are. Um, I think we're going to bring this, uh, we're going to adjourn this meeting. Hang on, I just got to get my little... Uh... Okay, this meeting, this podcast, this episode is adjourned. So until next time, um, yeah, till next time, what? Nothing. Just listen to the next episode. Find another fun interview. Okay, this is Mahangel. Thank you so much for listening to the Manitobaville podcast. And I just want to let you know one last thing that we are copyright 2022 by Rodeo Road Studio.